Today, I am so blessed to be with you. God's grace is with us. We have to believe that by faith. I know that the, when we look at the news these days, it's tragedy upon tragedy. You can't escape it. And I know it's difficult to see even in the middle of this moment, but God is still here. He's still with us. Even when we're going through, even when the world's going through, even when the world is disturbed and problematic, God is still with us. I need you to believe that thing. Even when there is evidence to the contrary, I need you to dig deep and believe that he is able. He is able. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What my faith is reliant upon is the word of God. And you know what I've been realizing is we spend a lot of our precious time worrying about things that we cannot control. And we've got to focus on what is in our control. And my faith is in my control. My belief is in my control. Who I trust is in my control. I get to control that. Thank you, Jesus. And so that's what I'm going to control. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust him. Thank you, Jesus. Um, one of the most important things I've realized is that mankind, the human race, the, the human people that we are all associated to and connected to, have a hole in their hearts. And they don't even realize they have the hole. They have a gap. They have a something that is missing. Something that can't be fulfilled can't be fulfilled by any of the things that they are trying to use. They're going to use everything to fill that. They're going to, I don't know if you've ever seen a child try to play with one of those little play sets and there's five shapes that go into the top of it. There's a circle, there's a square, there's a triangle. There's all different, but not, none of them can fit with the other shape. You can only use the one shape for the one hole. And if when a child first starts playing the game, they start to fit the holes wherever, they just don't even care what they picked up. They pick and they push into the wrong hole and they don't care. They're just trying to put, and their frustration gets a hold of them. Finally, they realize I've got to get the shape of the hole right. And even when I've got it right, I've got to orient it correctly so that it goes to the right hole. Why am I saying this? It's important to realize this. There's a God-shaped hole in the heart of man. Yes. Ah, glory to God. Yes, and they're picking up the wrong thing, yes, trying to fill the hole yes, that only God yes. can fit in. Yes. You're struggling. They're looking at it. and they've, Sometimes they get a hold of the right thing, but they've oriented it incorrectly. Ah, I'm going from Scripture in a second. Give me a second. Give me a moment. So they pick up things to fit in the hole, but it's the wrong shape. And so when they pour in alcohol in that shape, they can't pour in enough. When they pour in love in that shape, for a man or a woman, they can't pour in enough because it's the wrong shape. You see what I mean? When they decide to fill that hole with their job, they can't work enough because it's the wrong shape. Ah, glory to God. But hopefully we understand that it's the God-shaped hole in my heart. Only God can fill it. Don't try and put anything else there. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. 
Don't try to put anything else there. It won't fit. It won't fulfill you. You'll start being addicted to trying to fill it, and it will never fill it. Before you're finished, you're an alcoholic. Before you're finished, you're loving everybody you shouldn't love. Before you're finished, you're working too much. God-shaped hole, only God can fill it. Amen. Let's, 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 let's get into this. I've been looking at this scripture for a long time. I mean, before I went, we went to the, our trip to England, I've been on this scripture. I've asked the Lord, Lord, you got to help me with this one. You have to touch me and help me with this one. So I'm going to go to my first scripture. I'm going to go to my first scripture here. Um, it's Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Excuse me, chapter 3, excuse me. Uh, verse 11. This is an interesting scripture. It's a really, really powerful one. It's an important one. I want you to listen to me carefully as I dive into this scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 11 says this. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. He has made everything beautiful. What, it, what the, the preacher, what this messenger is talking about here is that God has put things in the construct of time, in this idea of time, something that has a beginning and an end. And he's made these things beautiful in that time period. When he created the heavens and the earth, the scripture says in Genesis chapter 1, that he said it was good. <laughs> it was good. And he called that thing good, and so he's made these beautiful things in time. Uh, carry on with that verse, it says, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart. He's talking about man. He has set the world, and I need to focus on the word world for a minute, because this word actually is more expansive than what you think. The word world in this instance is actually not just talking about the earth we see. It's talking about creation and all of eternity. Everything that is in us, he put it in our heart. Let me read the verse out again so you get my script meaning here. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world, that is mankind, in their heart, so that no man can find out the work of God. Maketh from the beginning to the end. He has put something in us where we have to consider everything around us. I don't know if you've ever been in awe where you've just looked at the sky and all the stars and you say, oh my goodness. All this creation is beautiful. I went to the Grand Canyon some years ago and it was almost too much for my eyes to see. It was vast and almost unending. And as my eyes drunk it in, I thought, how small am I? In comparison to this matchless, boundless, and I'm talking about just Earth am I? I am standing at this moment saying that space is too big. But that space has existed for years. So I'm standing in a moment, and yet the Lord is saying, I have put all the world. And let's actually look at that word world. Let's go to slide two just for a moment. If we look at the word world here, it's actually more than just world. It's from a Hebrew word meaning eternity. And it actually means, it's, the Hebrew word is halawam. I'm not probably not even pronouncing it correctly. I'm not Hebrew. Um, so, halawam is this word that means eternity. 
Meaning it's not just the world, the world he's put in our heart, it's a little piece of eternity he has put in our heart. You wanna know why you're so fascinated with the, with the sky and with the creation? Because he's put a little bit of him in your heart. And this is why I say, he's, there's a God-shaped hole in your heart. And if you don't have a relationship with him, you're gonna to try to fill that eternity with something else. You're making a mistake if you do it, but that's what you try to do. You're gonna think you can get that eternity from your friend, but that's only for a time and for a moment. You're gonna think you can get it from school, but that can't be forever. I can't study forever. I sure can't afford to study forever. You're gonna think you can get it from your spouse. But they can't love you like he does. Uh, he has put eternity in our hearts. Uh, gosh, why do I know it's the same word? Because I track down every single one of them. Halloum, where Halloum is mentioned in scripture. Let's go to them. Can you help me here? Somebody help me get that first one for me. This is where Halloum is used in the Bible. First Chronicles 16:36. You will see this idea of Halloum, this idea that. He is eternal, and this word being used for eternal. Blessed. Yes, sir. Be the Lord God of Israel. Yes. Forever and ever. It, so there's two ideas of eternity that are in our hearts right now. This idea of the eternal God that just lasts forever. But this also this idea of a God that is in forever. He's in eternity. He's not just lasting forever. He sits this in this forever. You get what I'm saying? That's 1 Chronicles 16, 36. Haloam used again in 1 Chronicles 17 and 14. Somebody find Nehemiah 9 and 5 while, while ministers finding this one. 17, 14. Yes, sir. But I will settle him yes. in my house. Yes, sir. And in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be ever established forevermore. You see this forever coming again, this timelessness. It's never going to end. Yes, yes. This is what he has placed in our hearts. You're trying to figure out why people need the, the Savior? Because they've seen that there's something missing. <laughs> Glory to God. Let's go to Nehemiah 9 and 5. Somebody found that for me. Yes, sir. Then the Levites, yes. Yeshua, and Kadmiel, Bani, and Hashabaniha, and Give me some Psalms 41 and while we wait. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you got the right one. You have to just get through all the Hebrew names first. Yes. And forever and ever. And blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessings and praise. So bless the Lord forever. Keep going. This is what he has put in our hearts. This idea that I'm going to bless the Lord forever. Let's keep going to Psalms 41. Did you find that one? Yes, sir, 13. Blessed be the Lord God Somebody find Daniel 12. Well, of Israel from everlasting yes. to everlasting. Oh, this one I love. Amen and amen. Blessed be the God of heaven from where? Everlasting. He is in eternity. To everlasting. Yes. He's not just yes. a God who's going to last forever. He's a God that is from forever. He is sourced in forever. What happens when you ask something from a God that is in eternity? 
That means he's coming out of an abundance into a world that is with limitation. You can't come from abundance in yourself or with the world or things around you. That can only come from an eternal God. Does that make sense? Let's keep going here. Do I have one more scripture? Daniel 12 and 7. And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand under the heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time and times and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to um, scatter the power of the holy people, yes. all these things shall be. Ah, so we are in relationship yes. with a God you, who lives forever. Yes. Yes. And that relationship has, we, remember this is the relationship with God started in the garden. It started there in the garden. The scripture tells us that in Genesis he created man. But more importantly, if you look at what it actually says, he let everything come into being. It says, let the earth be do this. And it was. He said, let the waters do this, and that's what it did. He said, let the earth bring forth yield, uh, seed bearing uh, seed, and it was. But that's not what he said for man. He came down and says, let us make man. Let's form him. Let's create him. He didn't put that in anybody else's charge. He came down. Now, in, 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 on day four of creation, the scripture tells us that he put the order of the moon and the sun into place. Meaning he was bringing time and order. What does he do with that time and order but carefully makes man inside that time and order? Amen? So he makes man now. But in, in Genesis chapter two, let's go there really quickly. The seventh day, Genesis chapter two, let's go there really quickly, take your seats. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be a while. <laughs> Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 says what? Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. So he finishes everything in six days. And all the host of them. And all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work. Yes. Which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work. Yes. Which he had made. Yes. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God so God creates the heaven and the earth and the scripture tells us that on the seventh days he stopped working here's what's important for us to understand this is what I say about having a relationship with God means you have to be you have to get into his word and you have to have relationship with the Holy Spirit two things that are critical in fact this month I'm going to ask you all to do something very specific this month I'm going to ask you to read 30 chapters 30 chapters from the book of Psalms 30 chapters from the book of Psalms. Why am I doing this? I want you to have a relationship with the word. Not through me. I want you to have a relationship with the word. I believe that relationship with the word is what's going to fill the hole in our heart. Like the relationship with the word is what's going to help us have closer alignment with God. It is that living word that we want relationship with. And we're only going to know him through his word. And I'm going to get back to that in a moment. But in, in chapter 2, verse 3, it says what? And God blessed the seventh day. He blessed the seventh Something that he hasn't been said to have done. He said, I've made the heavens and the earth and it's good. He said he made man and it was very good. But he hasn't blessed or made anything holy yet in this creation process. But what he does do is bless time. 
He paused on the seventh day and said, the seventh day is holy. He pauses for a moment and says, this is holy. This, not this place, not this thing, but this time. This time is holy. And I'm telling you right now that if you don't understand what I'm saying, that you need to have time with your word, time with your Holy Spirit, time with your prayer life, because that's the thing in which you get to be holy with God. He didn't make a church holy in the beginning. He didn't make a location or a people holy. He made time holy. So when you put eternity in your heart, you can take a single moment with him and rejoice in that eternity that is within you. It is the word that is in you that will light up when you engage with the word. So he blessed time. God says he makes that place holy. And in making that place holy, that time holy, he invites everybody into that moment, regardless of where you are. Doesn't matter where you come from, you can have time with God that is holy and sanctified. When there's a hole missing, I'm encouraging you. When there's a place missing for God, take some time. Take some time. Slow down. When we read those 30 chapters this, this month, I want you to take your time. I want you to slow down. We're always in such a rush. We've got to finish that series. We've got to finish the work. We've got to in a rush. And I want you to slow all the way down with these scriptures. <laughs> I want you to take your time with these scriptures. Time's the one thing, that one gift you can't return. <laughs> like, if you can't return the gift of time, you're only gonna, <laughs> if I give you something and I'm gonna give you the gift receipt with it, because you can return it. Like, I want you to have the pleasure and the joy from that thing I gave you. But sometimes, it's not the thing you wanted. Like, give me the money, let me go get the thing I want. And we get the thing we want, but I'm going to tell you right now, you don't get a chance to return time. The most precious thing you can do for somebody is give them time. Like the gift of money, I'm going to get that eventually. Time, you cannot get it. Like I can't, I can't fix the time problem. Time is, so when he took six days to make the earth and a whole day just to be, that tells you something about your relationship with the word. Like, I've got to be with this sometimes rather than just try to create wealth. It's got to be about living with God, being with him. So in the beginning, we have this wonderful relationship with God, right? We are in relationship with him. We're sitting with him. We are communing with him every evening in the garden. And then we lose that relationship through Adam. And we've been trying to fix that thing ever since. We've been trying to be back in relationship with him ever since. And to fulfill that hole, we've tried everything in human history. But the only thing that's going to replace time with God is time with God. That's it. He has put a missing, he's put something in our heart. We lost relationship with him. We don't know how it created it, but we know it's there. And when we have come to church, that's when we find that relationship and we can take it home with us. We don't have to just leave it here because it's not about the place, it's about the time. You see what I'm saying? 
He didn't make a, you know, we, there's this fighting over Jerusalem, he's fighting over Israel. And that's, you know, that has its place. But the most important thing is time with God. He created time for us first. <laughs> Let me keep going. Yes, sir. Blessed the seventh day yes. and sanctified it. Yeah. Because that in it he had rested from all his work. So, so this in this tradition, yes. this is where the Sabbath comes from. Yes. Where you rest from work. We all have to work. <laughs> we all have to work. I know what we have to do. We have to work to get some food and yet yeah, we have to get some things. But there comes a point where your work can be the end of the be all and end all of it. And I'm here to guard against that. There's a time for work. That six days was the work in which God put in. And then he says, I'm going to stop working and just be here. He wasn't tired. That's not the implication before we had was that he wasn't tired. He just stopped working and said, let this be a holy time. And then encouraged us through the Sabbath to be in relationship with him through Sabbath. Right? My time is now just for him. This eternal, eternal God is saying, I want you to use time that I have in abundance. And I want you to take the limited time you have and be in relationship with me in this limited time we have. <laughs> you know what happens when we focus on work so much? We trade time, space for time. We go to work five days a week, sometimes more for some of us, and we are there working, and we are saying to ourselves, I can acquire things if I give you my time. I'm gonna gift work my time, and in exchange, you give me money, and in exchange for money, I get space. I get things, I get objects, I get things I can own. But the sacrifice was time. Now the Lord is saying, on the seventh day, I want you to give all of this not just to you to make things and own space, but I want you to own a piece of eternity in this moment with me. That's why we can't forget God when we're going through our regular days. You are busy acquiring things and I want you to be wealthy, I want you to have things, but we can't trade space and for the time that we have with God. We can't trade money for a few more years. So while you're taking time to get things, you can't get things and get more time. So the time is the thing that's important. Ah, let's keep going here. Read that for me again. Blessed the seventh day. Yes. And sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. So he rested from all his work that he made. So we now have this time that we can do. But have you ever been at work where you have a good day's work and you say, man, I felt good about that. Like you, you, you've spent a whole day at work and you say, I've got stuff done. But then another day, you will come in and say, if, it isn't, if it's only 11 o'clock, like I need to get out of here. Like what is, but this is what we wrestle with when we are working. Let's look at the two scriptures I want to show you how, how man is in this. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. There's a difference between labor and toil. Like labor, you can, you can get a good day's work and feel great about it. Toil is a wrestle. 
We've been wrestling with work. Genesis 2.15, what does it say? And the Lord God yes. took the man yeah. and put him into the garden. Yes. Yep. To dress it yep. and to keep it. Yep. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Yep. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. The Lord gave man a job. It says, take care of the garden. Take care of the garden. Keep it. Take care of it. Look it up. <laughs> Contrast this now with Genesis 3, 17. What we do with our time matters. That's what I'm trying to get to here. Keep going. Genesis and, 3, 17. Yes? And unto Adam he said, yep. Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, yes. and hast eaten of the tree of which I have commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shall thou eat of it all the days of my life. Man, this is, turn from now, do a job that's gonna give you fulfillment, do a job that's gonna bring you in a relationship with me, to toiling with the, fighting against the earth. Like everything about me is rejecting what I'm trying to accomplish. It's rejecting everything I'm trying to accomplish. And this is what happens when there's a difference between our labor and our toil. And we spend so much time in, in toil at our jobs. And the Lord is saying, when are you going to spend just a few moments with me? <laughs> when are you going to be in relationship with me? I need you to end the labor, end the toil, and on the seventh day, we're just going to be. We're not going to acquire, we're not going to toil, we're not going to grab, we're not going to try to make things ours. We're just going to be with the Lord. You know what, if, you know what truly what paradise is? It's the everlasting with God. I don't want an everlasting without him. That's literally condemnation. I want an everlasting with him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's go really quickly. Um, thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 24, please. Exodus 20, just verse 24. I want to show you that it's not about where you are. It's about who you're with. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 20, Exodus 20, verse 24. An altar yes. of the earth yeah. shall... Excuse me, an altar of the earth shalt thou make unto me, yes. and shall sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings, and thy peace offerings, yeah. thy sheep, and thy oxen, in all places where I record my name. <laughs> I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. This is the first time the Lord is basically saying, let's make a place. Let's make an altar, and that's where we're going to call my name holy. Up until then, he said, let's just make some time. And that's where my name is going to be holy. So long before he called a people holy, long before he called a place holy, he called time holy. So you can take, you don't have to wait for me to crack open that Bible and get that 30 chapters and you don't have to wait for Sunday. But you can take any time of the week. Hallelujah, glory to God. Our God is near at hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's jump again. Psalms 103. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Psalms 103, verse, I think it's verse 1. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not. Bless the Lord. Go to for he knoweth our frame. Where's the verse? It starts with 103. Um, and it, the, the verse that starts, he knoweth our frame. I'm sorry, it's not verse 1. Psalms 103. Just go ahead and read it. I'll find it in there. Bless the Lord. Oh yes. Amen. Yes, sir. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who hath healed all thy diseases. Thank you, Jesus. Who giveth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tenderness, who satisfies thy mouth with good things, Satisfy, yes. so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Go down to verse 14 for me. Four. He knoweth our frame. He remembers that we are dust. What is he saying here? He understands our limitations. He knows that we are people that have a beginning and have an end. He has to understand us because we can barely reconcile that eternity that he's pulling to our heart. So he comes then and understands, I made these people from dust. I made them in time and I am sourced out of time. I understand the relationship, and it's going to take a while for them to understand it, to read the next verse. For you know what our frame remembers that we are dust. Yes. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. Looks beautiful one day, and he's gone the next. That's what man is. Let's keep going. For the wind, verse 16, passes over it, and it is gone, and the place there shall no more. No, it, no more. So you got to understand that the wind is something we can't even see, right. and that can destroy it. That can destroy flowers and grass in a heartbeat. But what does it say? Verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Where is the mercy of the Lord from? Where is it from? Everlasting. It is sourced in eternity. You ever wondered why the mercies of the Lord are new every morning? <laughs> you ever wondered why they don't run out? Because they are sourced from a place from which there is no limitation. It is sourced from a place from which there is no bounds. He knows our frame, but then takes what we need from a frame that has no frame. <laughs> You're trying to figure out why he loves us with such abundance? Because he's from abundance. You want to know why we're limited? It's because we are born in limitation. But yeah. my God is from everlasting. And when he thinks about mercy for us, he doesn't think about your frame. He thinks about his frame. Do you get what I'm saying here? Psalms 103 says, verse, what, read that verse again, 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. The nature of our God is an everlasting, eternal God. And he's going to take mercy wow. from on, that place. Yes, come on, preacher. Yes, yes, come on. Come and on. give it to us give in to our us. place. Yes. Yes. In our limited frame, it looks like we get too much mercy. Because we've, like, that's just too much. But that's because of our frame. So he pours into us mercy that we can't possibly understand. Uh, glory to God. Let's go to one more scripture. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, yes, sir. For we know that our earthly vessel of this tabernacle was dissolved. We have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Okay, so it's basically saying if, you, if, if we know that this earthly body is destroyed, doesn't have any being anymore, that there is something waiting for us better. That is what? Eternal. 
that is based in eternity, that is somewhere else, has a different frame than the body we have right now. We have a building of God and house not made with hands. Yes. Eternal in the heavens. So let's keep going to the next verse. For in this we grow. There's something in us that knows something's up. There's something in us that knows there's... We sense it. We know there's a gap. So our insides groan. They are groaning. It understands that this shape of this world doesn't fit because he is from eternity. And I can't get enough stuff in this world to fill that gap. Let's keep going. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon our house which is from heaven. So the part of eternity, the part of the heaven that is in us is saying if we can get to the next level, if we can put on different clothes, that gap that exists today will fit better with the clothes from heaven than they do with the clothes from earth. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. This is where I started a couple of weeks ago and where I'm going to land right here today. Uh, we, we labor in that six-day period. We want to have space. We want to have things. We want to have objects. But we can't forfeit things for time with God. We cannot forfeit. We can't, we can't work hard enough to get our time with God. You can't work hard enough and give God... Look, he created everything with the first six days. There's no amount of work I can do for the things that he created and then say I'm going to exchange it for time with you. There's no, it doesn't make sense. We have to take our own time and be with God. Labor won't fix this problem. Time with God will. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So what does it say in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28? Come unto me. So you've been in the six day thing. And I just want your time. Like the labor part of it isn't how I'm going to help my situation. I will help with the situation with time with God. Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'm going to clothe you with something different. So that the fit is better. So that God comes into your heart. Let's keep going. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. And learn of me. Yes. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your soul. There's a God-shaped hole in my heart. And Jesus is inviting me in. And he's saying, if you want to find rest to that part that's not fitting right, I'm the one who can fill it. Ah, glory to God. You, you, you've been disconnected from who God is for all these years. And they're saying, and Jesus is saying, come unto me and I'll fix it. Come unto me and I'll make it good. Come unto me and I'll resolve the problem that is in your heart. You can keep pouring alcohol into it, but it won't work. You can keep pouring your job into it, but it won't work. You can put drugs and women and men into it, but it will not work. The thing that will work is putting Jesus right there in your heart. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of this word.